All right, DJ PK, it is time to talk Cougars and Cougars with a guy who knows both Cougars. Matt Thomas joining us now. He used to work in Utah. Now he's in Houston. He's the pre pregame host for Houston Football Broadcast. He works at Sports Talk 790, and he joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Matt, good morning. Good morning. I'm a special guest. I feel honored. Yes, you are. And we need to pump you for information because we watched About the, the Astros. They won a game yesterday. <laughs> they did. Woohoo! <laughs> it's not a sweep. It's not a sweep. Uh, That's right. We watched Houston play Tulane, and for 20 minutes, it clearly looked like Houston's first game, and there were nerves, yep. and there were mistakes, and there were turnovers, and then they settled right. in, and Tulane blew a big lead to Houston, just like they blew a big lead to Navy, so we're kind of writing Tulane off and thinking, how good is Houston? What do you know? What can you tell yeah, us? Great, great question. Uh, I don't think Tulane is very good. Uh, Dana Holgerson does a weekly segment with me on my radio show here, and he just said that even Willie Fritz, the coach of the Green Wave, basically said that uh, U of H pushed him around in the second half. So physicality was a huge part of that. And I think that even Dana told me yesterday that that will not be the case with BYU uh, coming up on tomorrow night. So I would say that once the Cougars calmed down and actually realized there was actually a game to play, they just destroyed him in the second half. you got to remember, boys, the Cougars, our Cougars, uh, have been trying to play a football game for over a month. Between cancellations and COVID testing, a um, variety of teams, they have been multiple canceled uh, and to the frustration of all of us that are followers of the program. So it was just nice to play a football game. It just got off to a really lousy start falling behind 24-7. But once they calmed down, it was all Cougars in the second half. So one of the numbers that jump out of that game is receiver uh, Marquez Stevenson. He's the AAC yeah. Player of the Week. Uh, 118 yards, uh, a kickoff return, which really is something that he does with uh, fairly decent regularity. So my thought for you is how good is he? Pat, he will be the most electrifying player on the field for the Cougars uh, in this game and has been for a better part of a year. Uh, he is, first of all, a terrific special teams player. He, to me, and this is what you'll notice tomorrow when you watch the game, he is great after the catch. He has a burst of energy that is just absolutely fantastic. Pro scouts have figured that out. His only problem is he sometimes has a hard time holding out of the football. Cough went up in the game against Tulane uh, last Thursday. So if he gets that under control, it's going to be fun to watch him move up and down the field. Uh, Dana told me yesterday that he ran probably on a long touchdown pass that, he threw, that Clayton Toon threw to him that – it was the best route run he'd ever had in his short time at the University of Houston. So he is a dual-threat player. He will get to the end zone. You just don't want him to get in his own way by not holding onto the football. So Stevenson has the five catches for 118 yards. Those are the kind of numbers you look for when you're scanning a box score. But when I scan the box score, nobody runs for 60 yards. Nobody other than Stevenson had passes uh, had passes caught for more than 50 yards. Uh, Clayton Toon's 319 yards. Okay, that's a big round number. That jumps out of me. But this is this really Toon and Stevenson and then team and take what the yeah. defense gives you? Or is there yeah. another guy lurking that didn't have numbers in this game and could be big time against BYU? Um, I would keep an eye on Mobacar. He's had a good couple of years, had a couple of touchdowns yesterday. Uh, you know, as, as far as Dana's offense is concerned, it's more about the, the passing in than anything else. Kyle Porter was pretty good, but 
there's going to be nobody that you will see that you will go, oh, my goodness, BYU's defensive line's in a world of hurt. Uh, they will rotate probably six different running backs over the course of the game. That's how Dana's done it in the past, and I think he'll certainly do it here. Uh, for me, one thing to keep an eye on is Clayton Toons. Pretty good running quarterback, doesn't do it a lot. The only thing that's held him back in years past, guys, is the fact that he's also been injury-prone. So they like him to run. They're just really particular about when he does it. And you got to realize, this is a young man in Clayton Toon, the quarterback, that has never been a full-time starter because he's always been the second-team good team uh, on the backup ready to go whenever you need me. This is his first opportunity as a collegiate football player to be the guy, and I think he wants to be on the field as much as possible. So while I think it's really cool that he's able to run the ball and has done a very good job of it the last couple of years backing up a variety of different quarterbacks, it's been the injury. So to give you a long-winded answer, the running game will be good but not spectacular, but keep an eye on Tuna what he can do and his capability. You speak of uh, guys being injury-prone, and I think Holgerson said there's a bunch of guys that are dealing with issues, and we yep. know that the games have been postponed. What's the state of the team as far as health goes? The last number I heard was 15 to 20. Now, again, yeah. guys, let's be honest. That that could be a lot of coach speak there. Uh, as you know, they don't have to help for injury reports in, pro football, in college football like you do in pro, so... When we get to the stadium tomorrow, it'll be uh, as your guess is as good as mine at what that is. Uh, from what I've been told, it's a lot of first game uh, soreness and what type of thing. It's not like, you know, uh, torn ACLs and concussions and shoulder injuries and whatnot. But to me, I, Pat, I was in the same spot when you were. When I heard that number, I was like, wait a minute. You're telling me one game against Tulane uh, in October cost you that much? So uh, that goes to what I think will probably happen with the rotation running backs. It feels like to me a lot of guys got their first looks, and they very well could be the same situation this week. So if you're doing a depth turn on this game, which I don't know if your audience is or not, I'd have it wide open because there could be a lot of different players getting some playing time. So early this year we saw BYU's offensive line just push people around and they ran the ball, but it might be you know to a degree level of competition. Uh, they do have the NFL looking at some guys, so they definitely have some talent there. How good is Houston's run defense? Uh, Peyton Turner is a guy that you will hear a bunch of in the game. He was all over the place. TFL, sacks, quarterback pressures, really stopping. Uh, Tulane had a streak, guys. I believe it was 36 games in a row where they had rushed for at least 100 yards. That was quashed last week. And so uh, I was very, very impressed. Uh, Grant Stewart is a guy that's moved around all over the place for the team defensively in the secondary and the linebacking court. He's got some of the longest hair you'll see in college football. You probably won't even see his number, but you will hear his name and you will see him in and around the ball all the time. Those are the two main guys for me, but I was highly impressed that Tulane could get nothing started, and then they basically gave up on it in the second half because they were down by so many points. So uh, not a huge test, but a good enough test to know that it was a pretty proud stat that the defensive side was really appreciative of is the fact that they were able to hold a pretty good Tulane running game to under 100 yards. So where do you think BYU's offense can have the best success against this Houston defense? Get rid of the football quickly. Three steps and go. I mean, you guys would have a better indication to me than, than I would about whether that's a part of the offense. Frankly, Dana's more worried about your running game than anything else. And I, I was t- talking to him about the quarterback and – how he's had very few drops and he's got different receivers to go to and, and talking about Romney and how uh, how tough of a worker he is. I listened to uh, Kalani's uh, conference call this week and he was just bragging about him 
that young man scares the heck out of me because those sneaky type of receivers have always caused the Cougars problems. And you guys got to realize this. We're not really used to having great uh, defenses at the University of Houston. If you go back three, four decades, it's been Veer under Bill Yeoman to the run and shoot with uh, Jack Pardee to what Tom Herman did and, and what now Dana's trying to do. So I would fully expect everybody from a skill position to have some success on both sides tomorrow. I think it comes down to turnovers. I think it comes down to whether, you know, who's on the field the longest. And, uh, you know, again, I think short, quick step drops because Peyton Turner did have some success crushing the quarterback. And that's a name that I think will scare the BYU offensive line if he can get around those guys. So get rid of the football quickly, stay on the field. And I envision this to be a very high scoring game. You know, Houston had a pretty good decade. And then everything kind of fell apart at 4-8 and eight last year. That was very unusual when you look at what they had been doing in the years leading up to that. Uh, what went wrong? Is there a big long-term issue that's, you know, or a big issue that's got to be fixed to turn that around? And if so, what is it and how can BYU exploit it? Wow. Great question. Uh, we've had a lot of coaches here, boys, in the last decade. I mean, Tom Herman, Tony Levine, Major Applewhite, now Dana Holgerson. And if you go before that, it was Kevin Sumlin and Art Browse. I mean, it has been a coaching factory. And unfortunately, and, you know, my audience, I'm in the middle of A&M in Texas Territory. They know I'm a, a huge supporter of U of H. Unfortunately, my school has become a stepping stone. And I think Dana making the decision to leave West Virginia a Power 5 school to go to an American conference team. And, by the way, he's the highest-paid non-D1 or uh, non-Power uh, 5 coach in the country was released yesterday. That's going to help. Stability is going to help. But last year was just a mess. Derek King uh, got off to a very sluggish start, and then the decision was made, well, why don't we use this new redshirt rule? Well, everybody said, this doesn't smell right. Derek King winds up finishing off the year. Clayton Two steps in, and then Derek King decides he wants to be the quarterback at the University of Miami. So I would say stability. I know that from the defensive side, they had to go to a lot of junior college transfers, and as you guys know, that's not the way you build a program. But I think Dana's made in terrific inroads. I think the Cougars will be uh, back where they need to be among the top two or three in the conference. And I'll be selfish about this. The conference is really good. Uh, Cincinnati is very, very good. Central Florida is good. This is going to be a good league. I'd like to invite BYU if you'd like to come in. But I know that both you and I and our schools have uh, aspirations of bigger conferences. But it's, a, it's been a fun run. Uh, but I, I, I need some stability. And I think Dana, with the money and the, the tools and the – new stadium that we've got here, that's now in play. And that would be probably the best thing is just having a coach here for five, six, seven years to kind of build a program as compared to where, he, where that next coach is going to go next. So BYU has played before nobody in four games, but I understand there's going to be some fans. How many? Uh, I think 10,000. And from what I understand, a lot of BYU fans are going to be at the game for some reason. So I, I've always thought the Cougars always travel well, but – uh, yeah, we're preparing for quite a few uh, blue and white fans to be in the stadium. Uh, TDUCU State Stadium seats 40,000. There'll be probably 10 there. It'll be a glorious night. It'll be a great night for football. And uh, it's been weird, guys, I'll be honest with you, because you, you, you try to you, you deflect from the artificial noise to the real noise, and sometimes you just don't hear much of either one. Uh, I don't think it's going to play a huge factor in it, honestly. Uh, but, yeah, there should be a good crowd, probably the biggest crowd of the season. It'll be the best road draw, uh, draw of any of the opponents the Cougars will see this year. Hmm. So uh, you're right in the middle of Big 12 country, and you saying that made me think of how awful the tackling has been in the Big 12. It's oh, multiple teams. Brutal. 
and a, and a lot of people have come forward and said it's because they didn't have the normal spring practice, they didn't have the no, normal summer camp, everything's been different, the defenses haven't been hitting and tackling, so instead of the defense is way ahead of the offense, for once it's the other way around. Is tackling a big problem for Houston? I can't give you a huge uh, answer on that because I've only seen them play one time. I didn't think there were a bunch of missed tackles. There were some missed coverages occasionally, especially in the first half. And granted, again, the Cougars get wrapped 14 points to lane in the first quarter with a couple of turnovers. So um, I, I would say right now, David, it's, that's an answer to be found in a, in a real game. I mean, no disrespect to Lane, but BYU is a massive upgrading competition. So maybe you and I later in the year can have a further discussion about this. But I would not say that missed tackling – was a huge problem. Watching OU in Texas last weekend, major problem. <laughs> yeah. How would you evaluate Houston's team speed? Because that's always been an issue for BYU in terms of defending it. Fantastic. Will cause BYU's defense a lot of problems. Keith Corbin's terrific as a manual here. I've already told you about Marcus Stevenson. Bryson Smith will get in involved in there. They've got a new kid, a redshirt freshman named Keandre Street, who moves up and down the field. That's the one thing that has been the trademark of the Houston Cougar receiving core going back to the run-and-shoot days of the late 80s is that this team builds on speed, and uh, that should not be uh, something that I think BYU fans should look forward to. So putting Clayton Toon in an uncomfortable position because Clayton Toon, guys, will turn the football over if you put him in an uncomfortable spot. So pass rush, front seven, has to be the number one thing that I think probably Coach Otaki is trying to tell his kids because from a one-on-one angle, I don't know of anybody in the secondary for BYU that's going to be able to stay with the Cougars for four consecutive quarters. So when you say uh, he'll turn the ball over, are you talking interceptions or is he vulnerable to the strip sack because you get a good hop there and that's a scoop and score? Probably more of the strip sack than anything else. And again, I don't want to uh, downgrade who he is because Clayton's been fantastic. It's just there have been times that you do the the head-scratching moments where he's trying to keep a, a drive alive or trying to avoid a sack and a ball gets loose and that's the kind of thing that just, and again, I, to me, it's more about him having inexperience. I mean, he's been playing, you know, three, four games a year for basically three or four seasons. He's been hurt, backing up the Eric King, backing up other folks, and it's just never, he's never been consistently behind as the number one guy. So I hope as he plays more and stays on the field that those types of mistakes will go away. And it just, it was kind of aggravating because here you are on the first drive against the Tulane the last Thursday night. You're about to score, and then he turns it over, and Tulane's in the end zone shortly after that. So it was once he got past that, I thought it was a huge maturity factor to how well he played, especially in the second half of that game. Well, Matt, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on as a special guest. Call anytime. We'll talk Rockets Jazz back. I guess what March of next year, maybe something like that. I don't know. Hopefully, I, I, hes- I hesitate to predict and guarantee anything. Hopefully earlier, but you know. Whenever. Me too.